With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, um, tough morning, I'm sure. Uh, it was a tough day yesterday, but uh, how are you doing today, man? Oh, doing, uh, I'm, do- I'm doing fine. Yeah, I know you're referencing uh, the passing of Cecil Hurt, and uh, Cecil meant so much to, to all Alabama fans. Um, you know, I, I knew him, you know, pretty well. Uh, and uh, I, I last talked to him probably two weeks ago. Uh, he was hoping to be discharged from the hospital the day I talked to him. And, and that was literally about a day or two after that is when things turned significantly for the worse. Um, but, you know, regardless of how close anyone was to Cecil, we all knew him because he shared uh, so much of his thoughts and opinions with all of us every day through his work. And, uh, you know, and uh, hope, hopefully we, we all still will, will keep that work. I hope the Tuscaloosa News prints some type of book or memorial to Cecil. I would love to have a book of, of his old columns. I think it'd be a great book if you had like the game story that he or somebody else wrote, you know, the game story of that day and then followed by his Sunday morning column, you know, about the game. I, I would I would pay literally a couple hundred dollars for, for a book like that and, 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 and read it from cover to cover multiple times. Uh, I hope the Tuscaloosa News does something like that. Uh, I'm certainly going to loudly suggest it. Yeah, uh, I think that's a phenomenal idea. I know that I would be interested in something like that too. And, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot that we're going to be able to say that not everybody else has said um, about Cecil and about, you know, what is being left behind. Um, You know, I mean, he he was the guy for everybody. And what's interesting is, you know, there was always a part of me even though Cecil never made you feel like you were inferior or that you, you know, he always was so kind and, and always was respectful to other people's opinions, even if maybe he didn't disagree, uh, didn't agree with them, but his ability to, you know, connect with people, it was incredible, but just being around him, I don't know if, if you ever felt this way, but, and I think Aaron Suttles put it perfectly when he was talking about on the Paul, Paul Feinbaum show yesterday and he also wrote an article about it for the athletic but just mentioning um how anytime that you talk to Cecil you kind of had to bring your A game because you always felt like that you know you knew that he was going to be bringing his A game and there was some pressure involved with that I'll tell you and I'm you know I don't know if you guys ever did anything you know working together related I know you guys were very close and very good friends but uh, I guess it would be the same thing behind the scenes but just doing the podcast with the, the Bama beat that I did for, you know, I guess about a year and a half um, or two years. Uh, it just, it was like every week um, or every time that we were able, and towards the end, he did, he wasn't able to do it as much, but just in the beginning, it felt like there was, there was so much pressure and I always just felt like I was uh, in the presence of a legend. And I don't think that, that I would have felt that way 
had he approached himself in that manner. It was the fact that he was as normal of a human being, as humble. Um, you know, it, it, it was just a very special person. And, and you look at people who had much closer, better relationships with him than I did. We had a great relationship. It's just, uh, you know, I always felt like I was bugging him or bothering him. Um, and so I always, you know, tried to, anytime he couldn't do the podcast or whatever, he had other stuff going on, completely understood. Brett and Hudson and I would totally handle it, but he'd hop on there with, with Hunter. And, you know, I was a fan listening to all those basketball podcasts. Um, just very, very tough uh, because, you know, it was kind of, and, and I wouldn't say it was unexpected, but I mean, 62 years old, uh, he, he had a lot of life left. Um, and it's just unfortunate, but everybody's got a story with him. Uh, everybody, you know, you're not going to find a single person that's going to say a bad thing about him. Um, and it's just unfortunate that this happened. And, and for the people, you know, no one should feel guilty. You know, I'd understand that you know, there are people that are super close with him um, who, you know, they have a right to be in mourning and upset. But if you never met the man in your life and you just connected to him through his columns, I mean, you know, I remember that was a huge thing with Kobe Bryant when he passed away, you know, people were, were very distraught and upset and, and emotional about it. And people were getting upset at people. He's like, he, he was a basketball star that you watched from afar. You didn't know him personally. Why are you this? When you're emotionally invested in somebody, whether it be through you following right. their, their sports career or in Cecil's case, you know, following all of his work, like he was a part of so many Alabama fans routines um, that, you know, have that taken away or feel like that there's a loss there. Um, it, it's going to make people emotional. So, I just want to encourage everybody, if, if you are feeling a certain way about it, feel it. Uh, you have every right to. And, um, you know, I, I guess that's kind of my message because, you know, I saw a lot of people saying, you know, well, I didn't know him as, as well as I, you know, as, as well as a lot of people were. I've never met him, so maybe I shouldn't be this upset. You can be as upset as you want to. I saw that from a couple of people, and, um, you know, it's just it's very unfortunate. Yeah, I assume, uh, honestly, if I didn't know him and we weren't friends, I, I, I don't think I would feel any different uh, in, in terms of what, what a loss as an Alabama football fan that we won't have Cecil's wisdom and his wit and uh, just his Sunday morning column. I mean, his Sunday morning column was part of the Alabama football weekend when Alabama plays football. It wasn't over until we read Cecil's column on Sunday morning. Yep. Uh, and, 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 and now we don't have that anymore. I would be hugely sad about that loss, even if I didn't know him. Just, you know, I might tell any, any real stories. But one thing I'll say about what, how nice he was to everyone, uh, it, because, you know, he didn't have to do this or, or, or you know, but I, I would often set up, because I knew him well, I would often set up, uh, whenever he would speak to the Baldwin County Red Elephant Club, uh, I would always set that up and talk to him and and, and come up with a date and, and you know and he'd come down and I'd sit with him, uh, at, you know at, at the table and then then he does a speech right. Well, he never wanted to stay the night. He uh, he was kind of a of you know he was a night owl. Uh, he stayed up late all the time, so it didn't bother him to draft back to Tuscaloosa. He would leave Fairhope. Uh, as late as nine o'clock uh, and drive back to Tuscaloosa. He didn't want to stay, even though the club would, would, uh, would have certainly gladly paid for a hotel room. And I offered him to stay at my house, which is just right up the street, multiple times. Like, hey, you can just stay at my house if you want. You know, you don't have to drive back. Uh, but but he, he always did year after year after year. This is going all the way back to like, 
I don't know, 98, I guess is probably about the first year uh, that I was in the club and, 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 and got to know Cecil really well. But uh, what he would do, Clint, is he, he would speak, he would give his, his, his speech and it was great. And then the, the meeting will break up and I would hang around and I'd walk him to his car and me and him would talk another 30 minutes in the parking lot. And the whole time I'm very cognizant of, of he needs to get on the road. He needs to get home. He's got a three and a half, four hour drive to get back. He needs to get on the road. But he would sit there and he would answer questions, whatever we were talking about, the issue of the day, what's going on with, with football and basketball. Uh, that's what I'll miss. We, we had many, many 30 to 40 minute conversations, just the two of us in that parking lot uh afterwards and, and and i loved every second of it even at the same time going man you, you've got to get on the road but he he never acted like he was in a hurry to leave um uh, and that that's what i'll always remember but he 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 should have been in a hurry but uh but but he he, he was engaged and and he he seemed to enjoy those conversations uh, half as much as i did which was a whole hell of a lot so uh i'll certainly miss all those times yeah. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I thought that Aaron's article uh, and really him, his appearance on the Paul Feinbaum show, he captured so much. And what was so fascinating to me about the entire thing was I, I always felt like I was the only one. You know, he talks about sitting there and talking to him. And before we would record a podcast or, you know, when we'd be sitting next to each other in the press box, he would, he would drop those one liners and he kind of tested out on you as Aaron uh you know said but then sometimes he would choose to tweet it and it was kind of cool to know that you heard it first and you actually heard the way that it sounded like you could you could read it and, and understand where Twisa, uh, where cecil was going but just hearing it uh, made it all the the funnier or he wouldn't tweet it and you felt like i mean i just thought that aaron summarized that perfectly you felt like you shared a secret with him um and it just, it, it was truly special guy. And I just always thought that, that was me. You know, I just thought that I, because I knew that I was in the presence of, you know, what I consider to be a legend. Um, I had those same kind of feelings. And then you got Aaron Suttles, who's very well respected in the, in the industry has been in the industry for a long time. And he was feeling the exact same way I was feeling. And just the, you know, that's probably where I got the most emotional uh, was just knowing that Cecil's legacy and his impact it wasn't just the little guy. I mean, it was, it was the people that you would consider the legends yourself that, that viewed him on this or, or put him on this pedestal that he, he wanted no part of, uh, you know, he'd never would have put himself on a pedestal over anybody, but that's just, I think that was the, the fact that he had that mentality is exactly why, you know, uh, people viewed him that way uh, because you felt like that he earned it. He didn't expect it. He earned it. And so it was just, it was beautiful yesterday to read the articles and, and read the tweets. And, and it was, you know, with my timeline and I'm sure your timeline is the same way. It's very Alabama heavy. Uh, it yeah. felt like when, and I'm, I'm, you know, I know it's strange, but it felt like when, when Kobe passed away and, you know, suddenly the fact that every other tweet and, and fluff for that matter, it was the same with fluff when, when he passed away where every other tweet is, you know, about Cecil and every one of them, you know, while there was some emotional times, it was very cool to see the stories that people had and, you know, the, the amount of respect. I, every time I see something like that, whether it be Fluff, you know, whether it be Cecil, I think to myself, first of all, there's so many things about Cecil that I'm sure he probably didn't want people to share uh, while he was around. 
but it's like I hope that we can get better about sharing those things and celebrating those things while people are still here because you know Cecil deserved to know what he meant to everybody uh fluff deserved to know what he meant to everybody um but just you know as you see that stuff when i go whenever that day comes uh today tomorrow you know 50 years from now i can only hope that the reaction that my you know me my passing brings is even a fraction of what the reaction was to cecil going and the the amount of respect that he had from so many people we're not going to spend the entire episode talking about i could um, there are so many stories, and, and but at the same time, um, I kind of want to keep the the very few stories that I have between Cecil and I. I'm sure there's plenty that you would be willing to share, but some of them, it's like, you know, he, he would tell you stuff that he wouldn't be willing to say publicly because he never wanted to uh, attack somebody or, you know, anything like that. But it was just funny, the, the amount of, um, I think the most attack that i've ever heard him was one time he kind of got off on on gary danielson a little bit during a podcast and i remember being floored uh that, that he was doing it um but it just he was that kind of person and so all the little things that he would say to you in private um you know i'll, I'll keep him there but it was just a phenomenal person and and i definitely wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about him um but do you have anything else before we go really i went i went back and read my dms uh you know, I, we texted some and DM'd on Twitter some, uh, but I, you know, I, I'd never deleted them. So I was able to go back and read DMs all the way to 2012, I think. Uh, and uh, so many, he was, he was very, very funny, uh, very funny. And yes, uh, he was. obviously that, that stuff was all, all not, not for public intake, uh, but uh, his opinions were very smart. And uh, and very funny, particularly when it was something he knew he couldn't say, <laughs> you know, in public. But yeah, we'll we'll miss him. And uh, you know, you mentioned Aaron. Uh, I'm glad Aaron's still here. Uh, it's, it's too early to talk about this, uh, you know. And no one can ever uh, replace uh, Cecil. And Aaron would faint if I even mentioned his name in the same paragraph. You're talking about replacing Cecil, but uh, uh, I know this: uh, Cecil was extremely close to Aaron. And uh, Aaron was remarkable on the Fine Bomb show yesterday, and he's he's a great talent himself. Uh, he's also a real emotional person. I don't think he he's I don't think he 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 can't deny it. Although he probably wouldn't want me to say it, but he's a very emotional guy. And uh, how he held it together so soon after Cecil died, and, and to do that segment on Fine Bomb was amazing. So uh, you know, I'm just gonna. Uh, you know, Aaron's a friend uh, to both of us. I, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna enjoy Aaron's work uh, more uh, because he's probably, uh, let's say, the greatest of Cecil's disciples. You're, you're 100 correct, and that's a great point. And you know, um, it, it's just, it, it's, it's wild the amount that I learned just about how to approach. Now, granted, I, I took a little bit of a different approach. I, I would, I would, I'm always been willing to say things. Um, he, he you know, like people have said, he was willing to, he made statements without making statements directly. Um, and, and he did that, you know, a lot, but just the amount that I learned from him in such a small amount of time, just about how to approach and how to be, you know, reserved. I mean, I'll never forget, um, one time he, we were talking about somebody and, and I think I called him, you know, an athletic freak or something. And I don't remember if he said it on, the podcast or if we waited till after but 
you know, he said, I, I don't really like to call people freaks because I just, you know, it's, it's, it's meant as a, you know, a positive term, but you know how, you know, I just don't, it, I don't, it doesn't sit well with me <clears throat> to call anybody a freak. Um, and from that moment forward, I've always watched, even in something that I mean positive, I've always watched how I, you know, address people um, because, you know, that, that, that was, I thought it was a, a phenomenal point and just that I can only imagine what Aaron learned from him and the, the amount of time that they worked together. Um, you know, there, I'll tell you what, there's a reason that Aaron is, is held in such high regard in this, you know, industry. And I'm not, Aaron has earned everything that Aaron has gotten, but I think a lot of that also comes from his ability to learn from the absolute best. Um, so um, just, it, it's, it's a, it's an emotional time for a lot of people and, and just praying for, for his family and his friends and, you know, Hunter Johnson, I know was super close uh, with him, praying for him, praying for everybody. Um, very tough time, but we do need to move on to uh, actual football related stuff. You, you know, seen Hunter throughout that beard? Say what? Have you seen Hunter since he grew out that beard? You know, know, I've seen. Got, he's got a beard now. Yeah, he's. He, he, well, I, I don't know if it's permanent, but he had one the other day. He, he uh, almost told him this in front of everybody on Twitter, but he and I, I mean this as a compliment. He looks like a Russian gangster. <laughs> it's like it radically changed his appearance. I've never seen anyone whose appearance was more radically changed by a beard. He went from the hunter we always knew to are you a russian mobster <laughs> was this uh <laughs> was this at the picture of him at the game i think i did re- recently see a picture of him at, at a alabama basketball game with a beard because it was odd yes yes that was it that was it but i also saw him at the game uh, from a yeah. distance yeah, it, yeah. It was, it was on twitter as well but uh yeah that's it that's it <laughs> hunter i, I mean it, compliment because i actually i mean it's it's not it's not my place uh, nor would i be good at uh at any sort of fashion advice and stuff like that but uh i think uh i i think you should keep the beard i think it's a good look uh, it's a good i'm a beard guy as well i love having a beard um and i'll say this uh man just sitting you know you talk about being a fly on the wall uh you know that kind of phrase my favorite time was when we would be recording Alabama basketball podcast because I don't know nearly as much about basketball as either one of those two guys. So, and I still needed to be there because I was the one that ran the podcast and I would upload it when they were done. You know, Hunter would take over kind of the, you know, production of it during the episode, but I'd just be sitting in a chair behind the scenes and just watching them to, and the, the interaction between them, both are very witty, both are funny, you know, picking at each other, having fun, picking at other people you know hunter would say something you know talking trash and and cecil would always or he'd try to kind of pin you know make it seem like cecil was talking trash and watching cecil try to you know kind of pull back a little bit um and you know clarify what he was saying to make sure that he wasn't offending anybody it's just it was it was phenomenal watching those two together and so incredible stuff uh but we do have the college football playoff rankings to react to and we also got a couple of mailback questions left um, we went a little long with that first part, so we may, um, you know, we'll kind of see how we're doing with time. But the college football playoff stuff, I mean, I just I want to get your reaction to that because, you know, Alabama dropped from number three – or excuse me, from number two to number three. Cincinnati, you know, for the first time for a group of five school, they're in the top four. You know, Notre Dame is continuing to work their way up. Um, Alabama's, 
you know, top win is now a, a top 10 team in number nine Ole Miss. They're lost to Texas A&M. You know, A&M's back to being a top 15 team. Uh, plus, you also have Arkansas, who I thought it was very important that they remained in the top 25 despite losing, you know, to Alabama because that's another top 25 win for the Tide. So just talk about your, you know, initial uh, reaction to the college football playoff rankings. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, two things. Ohio State moving in front of Alabama uh, has no – I don't care. Uh, I don't think Alabama fans should care. First of all, um, I would agree. Um, on a small sample size, recently Ohio State has played better than Alabama, in my opinion. Their win over Michigan State may be the single most impressive win. I'm not saying it's the biggest win. Maybe the biggest win was Oregon on the road at Ohio State. But uh, Ohio State probably logged the most impressive per single performance of the year by any team, including Georgia, uh, in their win over Michigan State. Uh, and, and besides, whether you're number two or number three, in the playoff literally doesn't make a bit of difference. You, you, you play each other and settled on the field. I mean, two, two versus three is always settled on the field. So uh, I, I, don't, I don't think anything of it, and I'm not against it, and uh, I don't think it was unfair or politics. Or I think it's just a very reasonable opinion that Ohio State would rank ahead of Alabama this week. Um, to me, the bigger story is Cincinnati at four. Uh, this is sort of a ban – wagon or a soapbox thing for me that I'm going to be more and more vocal about in the coming days. I get this feeling that I am. Um, I want to include the group of five in the playoff in terms of I think it's college football. It's major college football. I can see a group of five team being good enough to be in the playoff. So I'm, I'm not coming at this from a they should never be considered. I think they should be annually considered. And if there's an undefeated group of five team uh, that has impressive wins, uh, including one or two really good ones over power fives, then they, they might should be included year to year. But I, I'm just not convinced that this Cincinnati team is deserving to be where they are. They're at number four, which means they're in the playoff. And considering they're about to play a seven-win team Friday and then a top 25 team the next week, to me it's unlikely that they're going to fall from where they are. So I think. Cincinnati merely has to win out and they're in. I can't say the same for Alabama should they lose to Georgia. And I fear, Clint, and we can talk about it today or just wait till it happens, but I fear it will be the controversy this whole offseason is Cincinnati's inclusion over two loss Alabama. And while I don't think either one of us can stop. But from happening, the public has spoken, the media has spoken. They want Cincinnati in that game, uh, and Cincinnati's going to be in the game despite a couple of things. Alabama will have more good wins over good teams. Alabama would be a double-digit favorite in a game against Cincinnati. I think if you ask 10 true unbiased football experts who's the better team this season, Alabama or Cincinnati, 
they would all tell you Alabama is better and the best. The committee is supposed to pick the best teams, but for whatever reason, the term deserving comes into the equation when you're talking about Cincinnati. So Cincinnati at number four is big news. It could ultimately be the reason two loss Alabama is left out because undefeated Cincinnati is in. Here's the, the thing that bothers me about the entire not and what what we're doing is we're saying SMU uh, and and Houston for Cincinnati. You know, oh man, they got a pretty tough uh, you know stretch. It's it's a tough stretch for them. Not all top twenty five teams are created equal. Houston is not Texas A and M. Houston is not Ole Miss. You know, when you look at their schedule, they lost to uh, Texas Tech the first game of the season. They lost by seventeen points. A very you know a, a very subpar Texas Tech team. They really haven't played anybody else. Navy, maybe, um, that they beat by one score. You know, SMU is a group of five team. When they're all playing each other, sure, these better group of five teams, you can look at them and say, um, you know, uh, that, yeah, that's great that you were able to get a – it's kind of like a, a really good FCS team beating another really good FCS team. But just because they're doing that, do we really think they're going to step up and play – you know, uh, Oklahoma State and beat them. You know, it, it's the same kind of concept to me. And everybody keeps saying with the way that their schedule is finishing with a couple of teams that are considered pretty good, let's not act like that they're on the same, you know, level. Just because they're a top 25 team and you get to put that check mark, you know, or that, that tally mark next to Cincinnati's, you know, name, uh-huh. that doesn't mean much to me. The Notre Dame win, that means a lot. Uh, I think that that should carry a lot of weight. Um, but when you compare it to, you know, Arkansas is 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 railroading SMU. They're, in my opinion, they're railroading Houston. Um, and that was, you know, how, what difficulty or how good – where does Arkansas fall on Alabama's schedule as far as, you know, difficult matchups? I mean, what, third, fourth, um, you know, fifth maybe? Uh, I'd really have to kind of go look at it. But that's the kind of thing that bothers me is I heard that a lot. It's just, oh, with, with Cincinnati having – um, who do they play the last game of the season? Um, so it, Carolina, East Carolina this Friday, who has yeah. seven. But, I mean, is that? Yeah, I mean, they're talking about they're playing a seven-win, uh, you know, East Carolina team and then turning around and playing Auburn uh, has, Houston. Auburn has six wins. I'd rather play East Carolina. A hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's just – I heard that a lot last night and it kind of bugged me a little bit. Um, but it, it is what it is. I will be curious to see how all of it ends up playing out. Now, I think that Houston can beat Cincinnati. I really do. Um, I don't th- think necessarily that they will, but anybody that's saying that they got the, the only one that's a shoe in to win their remaining games, in my opinion, that's in this conversation is Notre Dame because they, Notre just, Dame. Got, they just got one more and it's Stanford, and we all know that they're winning. So, um, but uh, now, and I wanted to get your reaction to this because in my head, what dropping Alabama kind of does, and I could be wrong. This is just my opinion, and I'm not even sure that I'm locked into this opinion. It's just a thought that I've had. It, you know, them if, if number two Alabama plays number one Georgia and they lose close to number one Georgia, you go from saying you were the number two team in the country that played the number one team in the country and you – barely lost that game but we go from thinking you're the second best team in the country to outside of the top four because you lost number one if Alabama or you know that, that's so that's a scenario or Alabama already trending towards dropping out of the playoffs you know before you know they're, they're they're winning games and yet they're dropping 
that to me is a lot easier if they lose to Georgia to keep them out of it completely. So I kind of took that as sort of a signal saying, if you lose a close one to Georgia, you're probably out. When I felt, you know, I was starting to feel more confident that maybe there were some scenarios where they would get included. So do you think that that's a possibility or do you think, you know, because I've heard people, a lot of people say that it just, it doesn't matter at this point. And I, I kind of, you know, I, I, there's a part of me that agrees with that. And there's a part of me that also says, well, does it? No, I, I agree with you 1 million percent. It's, it's, it's sort of, I, I don't know that it was the committee's uh, plan. I don't know that they think that deeply. I think they just literally put Ohio State at two because Ohio State is better than Alabama. I just saw earlier an odds maker said if Ohio State and Alabama played this upcoming weekend, Ohio State would be a three-point favorite over Alabama. Uh, and and the, the, I understand that. I, I don't disagree with it. And for that reason, maybe Ohio State should be ranked ahead of Alabama for that reason alone. I don't think they dropped Alabama to lay the groundwork to keep Alabama out. But that is, in essence, what has happened. I mean, by moving Alabama down, it's – gosh, they're going to move Alabama down again when they lose, uh, regardless of who they lose to, and, 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 and you're close to out of the field. This is the way I look at it. I mean, we could, do, we could do a whole 17 shows on possible permutations. You know, this team wins this, this team loses, this team wins. What, who would make the field then? We could do that all week, and, and I think that would be interesting for five minutes and then bore everyone to death. But, but here's the one permutation that makes the most sense to me. Let's just do where no one wins the games but favorites. Every favorite wins. This weekend, every team that's favored wins. On conference championship weekend, every team that's favored wins. What would happen then is Georgia would finish undefeated at number one. Ohio State would clearly be number two as a Big Ten champion after beating Michigan and then probably Wisconsin in the championship games. They're number two. Alabama, of course, lost to Georgia, so they have two losses. Oklahoma State, favored to beat Oklahoma, would then be favored to beat Baylor in the Big 12 championship game. I would put them at number three because they're a one-loss Big 12 champ. So who gets the fourth spot? Right now it's Cincinnati. Uh, you would also have Notre Dame with one loss and then the best, then the best two-loss team, which would be Alabama. So it's Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and Alabama for that fourth spot. Personally, I think it's going to be Cincinnati. It would just be Cincinnati. Uh, the committee last night put them at four. Uh, the public outcry, uh, the demands, the, the how it's more from best to deserving. I think Cincinnati would go at four. And Alabama uh, would be at home. And it would be controversial, uh, particularly with Alabama fans. And I think it would be controversial all over, and especially if in the semifinals, they would obviously play number one Georgia. If Georgia wins that game, something like 49 to 14, after only beating Alabama 26-21, I mean, I, I, I am going to – y'all will enjoy it because I'm going to give the committee and college football hell the entire offseason over their insistence on putting the best minor league team in the major league playoffs, if it plays out that way. If it does, and I, I completely agree with you there, and, and that is what is interesting because, you know, and I understand the reason that people avoid the hypotheticals is because they know who would win the hypothetical argument. It, it's it's clear. Right. If you had a gun to somebody's head and you said, does Alabama go undefeated with Cincinnati's schedule? 
most people are going to tell you yes. They might struggle a little bit with Notre Dame. That would be the one game that we'd talk about. But do we think that Notre Dame is a better football team than Alabama? Very few people are going to say that they are. So you can say, well, they might stumble. But if you had a gun to your head and said, does Alabama go undefeated with Cincinnati's schedule? People would say yes. If you said, does Cincinnati, are they sitting at 11-0 right now if they have Alabama schedule? What would people say? They would say no. I do not believe they would have beat Ole Miss. I don't think they're going on the road and beating Texas a and I don't think they're beating this Arkansas team. Uh, you know, uh, it's and, and the the point being is that the the whole reason that people avoid hypotheticals in this in these debates is because they lose the hypothetical or they lose to th- hypothetical arguments. There is no argument if you're being completely um, you know real with yourself. And saying that you think that Cincinnati's going to adopt Alabama's schedule and, and be where they're at right now, and you know, then you ask yourself, who, who do you honestly think is the better football team? What do you think people, if they're being real with themselves, are going to say, regardless of what the records are, they're going to say that, that they think Alabama is. So if you do not t- put Alabama in over Cincinnati, then stop saying it's about getting the best teams in. That is your always been your whole argument. You've just debunked that if you're being real with yourself and you're putting what you feel like is the more deserving. That's fine if you want to do it that way. I'm just saying stop saying that it's about getting the best four teams in. And I'll go ahead and tell you this as well. From a branding perspective, if you get Oklahoma State and Cincinnati in the playoffs, the committee is going to absolutely hate that. Uh, Not really the committee, but the college football playoff in general. Um, That is not going to generate a fraction amount of money. The semifinal ratings won't be good. The final, Georgia versus Ohio State, a lot of people are going to watch that. But yep. uh, I agree with you. Oklahoma State and Cincinnati will be TV rating killers. Uh, they just don't have national followings like the big brands do. Uh, and you're exactly right about it would almost seem to me uh, when Gary Barta comes on at the end of the committee meetings and talks to Reese Davis and to explain the ratings, he won't say this. But what he's really going to be saying is, uh, we felt Alabama was the best team. But, you know, Cincinnati, let's give them a shot. Let's just give them a shot. But that's not what this is about. It's not about getting a shot. It's about the four best teams. Now, we're not there yet. Maybe Alabama beats Georgia. And I'm not being negative about Alabama's chances to win the game. It's just in my hypothetical. I said, okay, all the favorites win the games because that's the most likely thing to happen. Is it going to happen that way, Clint? No. You know it. there will be upsets, maybe more than one. Um, but – like I said, I, in talking about the rankings last night, it, it immediately led me to, okay, what if the favorites win out? Uh, that means Alabama loses to Georgia. Does Alabama still get in? Uh, I, I say no. I, I think they would take Cincinnati uh, over to Los Alabama. So let's, let's, beat, let's beat the rush and all start getting mad about it now. Oh, man, it, it's just, you know, and now if, if you start bringing up well, okay, if Cincinnati deserves a shot, why, why don't you TSA? Oh, well, because yeah. they, don't, they don't have the schedule. Okay, so at what point, just because, and granted, in this year, Cincinnati beat Notre Dame, and I think that if they get in, that, it, that right there is the key. Wow. Right, correct. Uh, so, it, you know, and I understand that. I'm just saying what you, you have to acknowledge that schedule matters. And when you acknowledge that and then you start comparing where these schedules rank, there's such a massive discrepancy between them that at what point does it become okay? What's the threshold if you're Cincinnati or if you're UTSA? What do they need to do moving forward? Where, where do they need to get their schedule? Put one 
good game on it. And if you win that one good game, you get to coast the rest of the season. You don't have to worry about having a letdown game against Arkansas or against LSU or against, you know, uh, a Tennessee or a Mississippi State or, you know, all these other, you know, Florida going on the road to the swamp. I mean, with where, especially with where Florida was at back then before they had completely quit on Dan Mullen, do we think that UTSA or, or Cincinnati is going into the swamp and winning that football game? No one with Hell a right up. mind does. Hell no. Hell so, I mean, I, I get it to a certain – because it's – go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I was just saying beyond that, it, it's not just that they played nobody. They almost lost a few of those games. They were fortunate to beat Tulsa. They, they, they won some of those, those crap games by one score. I would feel differently about Cincinnati if taking care of business meant they beat the crap out of all the bad teams they played. I, I would think differently of them, but they did not. They, did, they, they, they barely won about three or four of those games that they should have won by 20. And they did. So that's where some of my hard feelings come about. Now, I do acknowledge this. You know, I always talk about dudes, that it's always about dudes. Cincinnati does have some dudes. Their quarterback's a hell of a player. He'd be, he'd be a good player anywhere. They have a front seven guy who, who's going to be at least a day two pick. Uh, they have a corner that, that might be a first-round pick. Um, they, they, uh, Jerome Ford, we know him really well. We know he's an SEC quality back. They have some dudes – I would agree with anyone that says they're one of the best group of five teams in 10 years or more. I agree that they are. But in the end, it's going to come down to this. Are they better than Alabama, than two-loss Alabama? Uh, no, I, I, I don't think anyone outside of Cincinnati uh, would agree that they are. I'll go this far, too. Um, th- this is how far I'll go about Cincinnati. I, I, I take head-to-head seriously, and I know that the committee won't do this, but Jimmy – I would put Notre Dame in over Cincinnati. I would. I would. They've they've beat more good teams. I I know that Cincinnati won that game. In my opinion, if Notre Dame and Cincinnati played ten times, Notre Dame's going to win more than five times. Notre Dame would beat Cincinnati most of the time, in my opinion. I think Notre Dame – everybody wants to talk about deserving. Notre Dame beat more good teams than Cincinnati did. I I would put Notre Dame in over them. So that's how strongly I feel about that issue completely agree and and, I mean it's like I don't I think that you're sending the wrong message when you know it becomes more and and if you expand the playoffs and this this gets fixed um, I think that teams would be willing to play tougher more competitive regular season games because at that if you expand the playoffs you're more than likely you can drop one you know two in some cases maybe even three depending on how much you expand the playoff but you could drop some of those games and still get in. And so I think that that will encourage that. But with the current system, you are completely discouraging teams from scheduling tougher opponents because all you got to do is just cross that same threshold, that same lowly rated threshold that Notre, or that, uh, that Cincinnati did, play that one good team and put a bunch, as many scrubs as you can on the rest of it. And as long as you go undefeated through that time, you're in the college football playoff. Uh, I, I don't like that mentality. Uh, it's why I, it's another reason why I'm in support of expanding the playoff because not only are you, will we not have the, this level of debate, um, there will still be debate, but I don't think it'll be this drastic. But also, I think that you would get more fun regular season games the, because you can take those chances. If you're Alabama right now, you can't afford to throw 
uh, you know, another tough opponent when you've got, you know, already one. I mean, Alabama, they had Miami who ended up not being that great of an out-of-conference opponent. And, and then they had New Mexico State. They had Southern Miss. They had Mercer. And everybody's judging them for that. With those games, they still have one of the toughest schedules in the country. So what That's you right. want them to do is make their schedule just ungodly compared to yours. And if you lose two games because it was so tough, well, sorry, we don't want you in the playoff. You know, like that, those, two, those two things don't, can't coexist in my opinion, but people try to make it coexist. I'm, we're getting off on a tangent. And what we're going to do, you and I both were recording back-to-back uh, -back episodes, and this, the, the next one is going to be an uh, Iron Bowl preview. It'll come out on Thanksgiving Day, and then you can watch it Thanksgiving. If you can't, you can watch it Friday. You can watch it Saturday morning, just however you want to do it. But we'll push the mailback questions to, to that episode because we're already getting short on time. Um, but, I, you know, I feel like this has been a good back and forth and a good, you know, discussion because, you know, because there's so much Alabama fatigue with a lot of people they're coming up with any reason that they possibly can to justify keeping Alabama out. And, you know, uh, you know, me and you both, we're going to fight the good fight. <laughs> well, it's it, the, the playoff situation is now really simple based on precedent. There's never been a two loss team in and I'm fine with that. And there never has been. And, and there, there likely won't be this year either, but there's eight teams that are either undefeated or have one loss that are power five teams and then let's throw in Cincinnati because they're undefeated and they do, do have a good power five win. That, that's eight teams. Well, four of them play each other this weekend, Ohio State, Michigan, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. Those two games will, will end up knocking two teams out. Two teams are out. Either Ohio State will be out, Michigan will be out, Oklahoma will be out, or Oklahoma State will be out. Two of those are out. So we will go into championship weekend with, at the most, six teams. Uh, Georgia, who's getting in, period. The Big Ten champ is getting in, period, unless it's Wisconsin. So if Wisconsin wins that Big Ten championship game, there might not be a Big Ten team in. Uh, three, the Big 12 champ is getting in if it's one loss Oklahoma State or even one loss Oklahoma. I think they're in. Again, that leaves the fourth spot to be decided between Alabama, Notre Dame, and Cincinnati. And that to me is almost obviously where we're headed unless Alabama plays its best game of the year and beats Georgia. Um, then not only is Alabama in, I think they're the number one seed. Yep, completely agree. All right, that's going to do it for yet another episode of the Bama on 3 show. We're going to be back, like I said, tomorrow with uh, an Auburn preview, and that should be a lot of fun, so looking forward to that. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Once again, this is the Bama on 3 show, and I'm your host, Clint Lamb.